Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics. He's the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, season five, episode number 15. And for the first time this year, winter arrived, which is... <laughs> but only this morning. Which is bizarre. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, the 23rd, uh, right, 23rd? Yeah, 23rd. 23rd of February. Yesterday it was in the high 50s, yep. and the baseball and softball teams practice outdoors, and today there's snow on the ground. There is, although so, it's supposed uh, to warm back up again. It is supposed to warm up, but welcome to Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will, and there, there will be baseball this weekend. There will the be baseball this weekend, yes. We'll talk but, more about that in a moment. But it is um, uh, it is winter for a day. It is. And um, it's also... Well, maybe for a morning. I don't know. It might all be gone by this afternoon. It could all be gone by this afternoon. That yeah, is I true. But uh, it's also uh, playoff time. It and is. And championship time for track and field, and uh, the... Slow end to crossover season yes. is upon us. Yes, we're uh, we're in now into the final weekend. Really, well, not final weekend. Final weekend, in terms of uh, I think home playoff events. Correct. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're fully now into the crossover part of the season. We're coming to the very end of things for the winter campaign. Uh, men's hockey is done for the season. Uh, I had a couple of uh, close losses in their playoff series with UW River Falls. That was mm-hmm. last weekend. You were down at Hunt Arena for those games. Mm-hmm. Um, tough. I mean, as, whenever the season ends, it's always tough. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Um, not surprising. You know, when you look at how 23-24 unfolded for yep. that, that group of young men, not at all surprising. Nope. Um, people ask me, I get, I get asked every year, how's the team going to be? Mm-hmm. And my response last year in April, my response in August, my response in October, they'll be okay. I'm not sure who's going to score goals. And this team set the school record for fewest goals scored in a season. Wow. So they they struggled offensively, so it was very appropriate that they got shut out in the final game of the year. Yep. That they lost a one-goal game because that is something that happened to them throughout the year. And it's Two uh, of them, in fact, on the weekend, wasn't it? Two one-goal losses, yeah. Yep. 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 You know, and you go back to Stevens Point the weekend before, I mean, there was a one-goal loss in there. Mm-hmm. You go back to Stout the weekend before, there was one-goal loss in there. Yep. You know, at the end of the day, they had... 27 games this year, 13 times they scored one or fewer. Oof. So hard to win that way. You can't win if you don't score goals. Yep. And this team really struggled with that, so it's not at all surprising that it, it ended the way it did. Yeah, yeah. only two combined goals in the series with the uh, the Falcons, both of them coming on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you said, one nothing lost to end it, um, which was too bad because they actually played pretty well statistically. Yeah, honestly, and, they played well both games. Yeah. You know, they uh, six periods down there, they had one dud, and it was the second period on, on Friday. Yep. But they, they played well enough to win. They just didn't do enough to win. Yeah, you know, and I think that was that's kind of when the theme was, all year. You know, kind of yeah. the theme all season long is this team played well enough to win a lot of games, just didn't do enough to win. Yeah, yeah. enough games, and and so here they are. You yeah. know, and it's uh, it was a young group. I know Rich doesn't like hearing this is a young team. He's not into moral victories, and and I, I understand that. At but you boil it down, this is a young group. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of yeah. There's a lot of change over this year. There was a lot of change over this year. I mean, he had like 11 or 12 new guys. Yeah, you know, he's not going to have to bring in as many this year. Obviously, now that the year of experience is good for some of these young guys because there's something there. There's some players in that yeah, group. There's some guys that can definitely play you know, in that group. And you, yeah. But you could also tell that there was freshmen in that group. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be curious to see how they absorb what they went through this year. Yep. And how they use some of that over the summer and their training and everything as they get ready to come back for next year. And I'm, I'm curious to see what, what he'll bring in. Yep. You know, I'm curious to see how, how he's going to handle his recruiting and how, right. how he's going to 
kind of look at this offseason as he gears toward next year because really this is the first time in his eight years that he's gone backward. Yeah. And which was not the, it's, the thought it's, process. It's always been very yeah. methodical and incremental in the build, and then it kind of leveled a little bit. Now they've gone backward. How does he get that moving forward again? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the offseason is going to look like and how he's going to approach that. Yeah. Yeah. So men's hockey is done for the year. Women's hockey is still in action. They'll be playing their playoff series this weekend at against uh, UW-Eau Claire. Played some mm-hmm. good games against the Blue Goals this they year. They did. They honestly, they they, yep. they probably could have won a couple. You know, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of the first one down in Eau Claire when they had to lead in under two minutes to go. Yeah. And they played a really good game that you and I did on the radio. Yep, that was a really good game. Yeah, and it ended up not looking very good. I think it was ended up four one. I think it was four one or four nothing. Yeah, something like that. But and they played really well. That they night. played really well, and that was that was that game where they're on. All right, we're we're in this. Yep, I think it was four to one because we had the lead. Yeah, and then they third popped, period they popped too quick. Yeah, early in the third period, and that was just kind of like okay, I don't know if we're going to have the horses to come back yeah. from this. Yep, exactly. So, and then they kind of ran out of gas. Yep. But, uh, so that, that that has potential to be an entertaining series. Mm-hmm. Uh, both basketball teams are still in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, both teams had playoff games on Wednesday that were home. I did them both on the radio. Two pretty good games. Yeah. Uh, the women are really playing well right now. I mean, more than anything else with the women, because they've now won 10 in a row. Uh, they beat uh, North Central 72-59. The biggest thing I'm seeing with them is everybody on the team accepts the role, and everyone knows what their, what their responsibilities are on the court. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it really play out in real time. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I really like about what the women's team is doing right now, and, and the reason why I'm confident going into the two Saturdays championship game with Morris, is that they are taking over in fourth quarters. Uh, they've yes. done it consistently now for a, during this win streak. Feel, it feels like since yeah the new year. Yeah, basically since their tournament, they've been yeah they just they put distance between themselves and the opposition in the fourth quarter. They mm-hmm. did against North Central, uh, and like I said, that's been a, a theme throughout this ten game winning streak that they're on. Um, Elise Bessonen, if she's not player of the year in the conference, I'll be shocked. Uh, she's had a tremendous year. She had 25, and she was really in control in that game against North Central. Uh, you know, and the and the, the Rams are not a pushover team. They've right. they've got a really good player in Caitlin Ryan. They've got uh, some players that have been there before, some returners from last year's team that won 21 games. And so that was not going to be an easy game. And the ladies really stepped up, mm-hmm. and uh, they're getting contributions from across the board now. So, yep. uh, yeah, they're they're really playing confident basketball right now. The men, I got to give them credit as well. Uh, had a really strong end of the regular season, and then uh, did just enough to get by North Central in their playoff game on Wednesday as well. That was a wild game because uh, well, they were up by what at fourteen, as many as fourteen. Yeah, they were up point? by sixteen at one point in the second okay. half, and then what North Central did, what they always do, which is make a run at it. Yep. Uh, North Central is a tricky team to play on the men's side because they're not big, but they're extremely quick and athletic on the wings. They shoot tons of threes. They're a team that shoots a lot of three point shots, and uh, I think they took twenty eight. Of them, I want to say I might be wrong on that. Don't quote me, but I think it was because I think we were nine out of nineteen and they were nine out of twenty-eight or something like that. Um, but the guys did enough to get the win, um, and now they play Bethany Lutheran for the second straight year in the conference tournament title game down in Mankato. Um, you know, and one of the things that the men, uh, you know, have have done the last few weeks is they played really well on the road. Uh, they went nine and one on the road this year. Their only loss was to Bethany, yeah, Bethany. Lutheran. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of a statistical anomaly in that regard because most teams are better at home than they are on the road. Right. But yeah, six of their you know eight losses uh, have come <laughs> at home, which is weird. Friendly confines? Question yeah, mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, they did enough to get the win. Uh, Max Briggs, the freshman, was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, really efficient. I think he's going to be a good. Ball he's had player. a nice second half. He has. He had 19 points. Was a career high for him. 
course, just a freshman. Uh, but he was six for seven from the field, uh, two for two from three, and five for five from the free throw line. I mean, he had a really good game before he fouled out with about three minutes to go. But they did enough to get the win, and that was the important part. And the women, you know, we'll see. Uh, they're doing really well, uh, obviously. So, uh, and they're hosting uh, Minnesota Morris tomorrow, as we record this on a Friday. Uh, and I'll be on the air for that one. Um, and then, of course, uh, men's and women's track and field indoor mm-hmm. uh, this weekend, starting today and tomorrow. Uh, men's and women's tennis are still going. Uh, the men are on a nice six-game. They're rolling. Yeah, they're they're making a nice little run here, six in a row now for them. Uh, and the women had a nice win against Concordia Moorhead going the next weekend, so yep. that's a nice little trend there. And baseball <laughs> is actually going to play outdoors <laughs> this weekend, taking on St. John's in a doubleheader down in Collegeville. Mm-hmm. Um, we say that was still on the ground here. There's supposed to be 50-degree temperatures in Collegeville this weekend. So. Yeah, because they moved the game from Sunday to Monday Yeah, because there's a 15-degree change. Okay. Between Sunday and Monday, so they're going to get into the 60s. Okay. Wow. And so, yeah, that'll be fine. I, I might have to tune in on that one just to see. Just baseball to in it. February. Yeah, just to witness outdoor baseball in February in in, in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, I just it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. But uh, going back to track and field, actually, they're setting up uh, just outside of where we are <laughs> mm-hmm. for track and field. Uh, the men have won seven straight indoor conference titles in men's track and field. That's uh, that's. Um, Pretty confident it's going to be eight. Yeah, they're looking pretty good for that. They're the women, uh, the defending champions, uh, it's going to be tight there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's about three or four teams that could, yep. you know, that could give the Yellow Jackets a real push there. So that one's going to be interesting on the women's side. But on the men's so side, uh, the guys returned a lot of contributors from last year's team that ran away with things. Yeah, pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, most of those guys are back. Most of them put up big numbers again this year. So uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. We're going to have three championship events over the well, I guess two. Um, with uh, women's basketball and no, indoor track and field, but it's three. I mean, three days worth of, or th- two it's days. Two days worth, but you've three got, events. Yeah, there, there's two different sports going on in the field. Yeah, that's so true. You've got the men's meet and the women's meet. That's They're true. Two separate meets. That's true. I'm so you've got three championships. Yeah. Here. So there's three championships going on on campus this weekend, and mm-hmm. so it's going to be really busy. Um, if you're coming out to watch, I would urge people to come as early as possible. Parking's going to be. Sp- Scarce. Sparse, yeah. Uh, today, this Friday, actually, they're starting the championships for indoor track and field in a few hours. Mm-hmm. About three thirty, I think, is when it starts here. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a wild weekend. Uh, and then the action on Saturday is at ten thirty. So that is going to start ten thirty in the morning. So don't forget to show up yeah, early, early, find your parking spot, early. get your big bag yeah. of popcorn, and uh, the basketball game's at four o'clock. Go between the facilities to watch a little bit and make sure you check in on your Swarm Central app. Yes, and I think get your that, points. actually that's that's part of my plan. I'm going to hear pretty early, even though I'm just broadcasting the women's game. I'm obviously not doing track and field, um, but uh, I'm uh, going to try to get here as early as I can on Saturday because mm-hmm. I want to watch some track and field too, just to take it all in. So. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on on campus this weekend, and uh, after this though, it starts to lighten up a lot. It will lighten up a little bit, yep. Yeah, and then we'll have a big break before we get into baseball and softball, which mm-hmm. will be the next time we'll be at home. But um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's all coming to like a, a four, a two. I, can't, I don't want to say a forefront, but to a conclusion. Yeah, but it, it does. I mean, you you go 100 miles an hour. Yep. For months. Yep. And then you hit the end of February, and it just all comes to a screeching halt. Yep. Yep. You know, and this year, hopefully, the weather cooperates where we get into games a little bit more, but. You know, in years past, it's typical to finish this last weekend of February, right? And yeah. you don't have anything at home until the middle of April, right? You yeah. know, you're off for almost yeah. two months, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's really strange, and we talk about it every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big sprint, basically starting in fall all the way through winter, yeah. and then once the winter season starts, we usually have about four to six weeks where we're just sort of hanging in the wind, <laughs> right? Waiting for Mother Nature to cooperate. Now this year, with the way that the weather has been, it might be a little bit sooner than that, mm-hmm. but uh, that's generally speaking how it goes, and we still have. 
you know, rest of February and all of April to go. So I'm not going <laughs> to, or March, I should say, all of March and possibly April right. um, before we, uh, before we get into the spring season. So I'm, I'm not putting, uh, I'm, I'm not counting my chickens before no. they're hatched, but uh, lived right long now, enough to know. yeah. Um, right now, hopefully, we'll be able to get a lot of home games in for uh, for the spring because that's been the year that we have. That's the season that we have the biggest bugaboo with. Right. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's going to be a fun weekend. So. It's going to be a fun weekend, and it also gives us an opportunity to sit down with a special guest, which we will do in our next segment. Our, our roundtable will feature the commissioner of the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference, Corey Barkard, who is going to be kind enough to stop in and spend a few minutes with us. And, he's going to be busy up on campus this week. He's going to be busy around campus this weekend, so we're glad we could snag him for a few minutes. So we'll take a timeout. We'll be back with Commissioner Borkart right after this. You're watching Eye of the Swarm. We're back on the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and I guess one of the benefits you get by having to host the indoor track and field championships every single year in two days, is you yeah. get the commissioner that shows up in your house every single year. Yeah, so, so we're very fortunate to have Corey Burkhardt from the UMAC join us. And uh, Well, it's a regularly scheduled, that thing, segment for us because we've done interviews with you how many times? Just about every about, year. Yeah, at least think, about once a year. Yeah, just like, about yeah. once a year, I think. Typically, it's earlier in the year. Right. I, yep. You know, we don't usually build it around the, the track championships, but no, this year just kind of swung that just way. Just swung out. Yeah, usually it's uh, earlier in the year, and we usually do it pretty early. I, usually in the fall, I think. We've yeah, had it yeah. In the fall usually around the soccer tournament time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Time, I think. I think the so. last couple times, I think, were during the soccer tournaments, I mm -hmm. think. I might be wrong. I don't so know. So we can play. blame him right. for bringing winter because <laughs> Corey's trip up. How was the drive course, up, by the way? Let's just start there. The first half was all right. The second half about Moose Lake started to get a uh, roads weren't quite as great, but uh, it wasn't too bad. So okay, yeah, yeah. It was. It's always interesting to hear people drive up because uh, uh, <laughs> Ryan Coleman from uh, D three Hoops yep. was here on um, Wednesday. Wednesday. I hadn't seen him in a long time, and I I was coming down and I walked out and he saw me and remembered me. So I went over and talked to him, and he said. Uh, just a beautiful day for a drive from the city. And I said, uh, well, we're glad to have you here, Ryan. Yeah. And big smile on his face. And now, so I'm kind of replaying this now in my head now that you're now that you're yeah. here to see how your experience goes. Yeah. Versus he drive, hit, well, because he was driving up when it was sunny and nice. and sure. Right. Yeah. We tend to always have uh, snow during the indoor championship. I feel like most years uh, we get at least some snow, if not a lot of snow this weekend. So. It's supposed to, though, it's supposed to mellow out again. It is. You know, it's supposed to warm up. So by the time you have to head home tomorrow, it should all be... Yeah. yeah, this should be gone. Yeah. So this Playing has been a bizarre year. Though. Baseball games this weekend. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that in crazy. our first. Segment. Is that yeah. is this a first? Is this the earliest for you? We've I think there was like the second week of February. I think there was a year or two where there was some baseball games on the turf fields in the Twin Cities, um, but this is maybe a week after that. You know, uh, seven to ten days past that. Otherwise, right. yeah, yeah. Well, it's mostly outdoor. I mean, it's one thing to play if you're playing at US Bank. Right. You know, because that's indoor. Right. But it's another thing to play outdoor yeah. in February. We've had and all these teams practicing outside. I was, was going to say, I think the difference this year is just practicing. Because even that year, if I remember right, or year or two where we did get some games in early February, it was just like a few days of really nice weather. Right. We could get out and play a game or two, whereas this February, I know a lot of teams are practicing <laughs> outdoors, which is crazy. Yeah, it is nuts. Between really baseball, is. softball, and tennis here anyway they, yeah. they've all been they've all had since the end yeah. of january yep they've all been practicing outside today is the first day that we've seen the white stuff fall from the sky in 
probably about six weeks. Yeah, and my kid was thrilled. You know, I opened the, the big <laughs> curtain, and he's eating his breakfast, and he's just like, <gasps> snow! Yeah, you know, know, he right. sounded like Will Ferrell and Elf. Yeah. When, All right. Yeah. Santa! That was Santa, kind of what he was like yeah. today. For yeah. some reason, especially up here, it just doesn't seem right if it's not a little white, at least in January, February. So. Well, I mean, it's February. I mean, <laughs> why would It was raining in January. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And we're, there's been some talk of more rain coming down yeah. the line, I think, but... It's been a it's been a wild year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the departure from temperatures. I was watching KBJR last night, and they were saying that we're plus twenty five to thirty in some places. It's crazy, wow. you know, in terms of where yeah. we should be. Yep. You know, today is more on brand of where we should be at this time of year. And, yep. You know, now we're. I mean, I, I I'm beginning to think that the the possibilities for a real cold snap like we usually get. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen now because we're yeah. getting in that part of the year now where we might get more snow, but the the possibilities of it getting really cold are starting to look like pretty few here, pretty slim. Yeah, Yeah. that's all my conversations with their baseball, softball, tennis coaches was, you know, this is great, but we know there might still be. (laughs) Yeah. But but the later we get into February, almost early March now, I think there's a sense maybe we're going to. Maybe it will. We we might might dodge it. But what we could run into then is the soggy spring where nonstop rain. Yeah. Well, at some point we're going to get hit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it does make you like, yeah, there's, I mean, there's going to be storms. Um, there always is um, inclement weather. That's just part of life up here. But yeah. it's just what kind of what form of inclement weather are we going to have? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. which is why everybody plays on turf just about now is because of the inclement weather thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's been a really strange year. Yeah. We've we've been talking about it a lot on the podcast just because you haven't seen a winter quite like this one. Yeah. In terms of weather, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, it it almost doesn't feel like winter at all. Mm-hmm. I've been saying that a lot of times. I right. Mean, you know, we're playing winter sports right now, but that's my only indication that it's winter. Yes, <laughs> you know? Exa- exactly. That's all of that's, you know, the calendar says it's winter. Yeah. The sports say it's winter. Sports calendar says it's winter. Yeah. And outdoor doesn't say that. So, right. yeah. Yeah. With the Division three legislative changes where, you know, teams can use days throughout the year more, baseball, softball starting earlier, tennis starting even earlier, this year, it, it just feels like we started spring sports after Christmas right. almost because weather cooperated, the, the new rules and playing rules, they can uh, get out and do, you know, practice earlier. And so right. it just feels yep. like yep. we're going to have about a six-month spring sports season in a way. We talked about this a little bit too with a, a couple coaches on the show. Sure. What took so long for that to happen in Division Three? Because Division One basically is yeah they've been it's well, wide open. You can yeah. do whatever. Division Two isn't nearly as restrictive as Division Three. What yeah. took Division Three so long to say – we, we should change this because it would really benefit the athletes. Sure. I think two parts to it. I think the first part uh, is probably rooted more in a Division three philosophy, history, or, you know, historical perspective and the, the values of Division three, trying to ensure student-athletes can be well-rounded in other pursuits as well, even beyond athletics, uh, whether that's internships or, you know, other activities, fine arts or other campus opportunities that they want to be a part of studying abroad even or those types of things. So I think there's always been a little bit more protection of trying to uh, stay in that that middle ground of um, continuing to develop our athletic programs but ensure the athletes um, still have uh, a holistic experience in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So I think that was always a part of um, maybe slower to get to where we are now. And then I think the second part is the uh, staffing and facility piece. Uh, you know, at Division three now continues to obviously facilities develop and campuses have athletic facilities that can accommodate so many sports going at the same time and right. able to support it that way. And, and staffing as well, obviously, has continued to evolve in Division three. 
there's still maybe some campuses where individuals hold two, three, four titles, but more and more, you know, it's full-time coaches or full-time administrators, athletic trainers, more are added, sports information, athletic communication staffs are expanded. So I think that was the other part of it where Division Three has historically been a little bit more guarded of uh, just can our campus handle this if we start having 18, 20, 22 sports going, 24 sports, some campuses right. <laughs> more or less in season, maybe not all playing games, but practicing at different levels at the same time, can our uh, kind of support system handle that? So those are the two things that jump out to me. Are there a lot of positives to it too? I think absolutely. I think the coach contact and just the ability for coaches to stay connected with their athletes hopefully helps in a lot of ways too. So a lot of good with it uh, as well. Because we, we talked with Melissa yeah. last week about it, yeah. <clears throat> and it was it's so difficult for the spring sports especially because they get here, you go through eligibility, you have your non-trad, and now for four months, stay away from me. Yeah. Yeah. And this really opened the door, for, I think, especially for the spring sports, yeah. to yeah. be able to have when I, when you, I, you don't lose them. Yes. When I think also <laughs> for some of the sports that are split, where you can play, you know, in the fall and in the spring, mm-hmm. like like men's and women's golf, men's and women's tennis, where you have that split season where you can play some matches, not the, maybe the bulk of your of your schedule unless you're golf in the in the beginning, and then you can also get stuff on the back end. But there's that you know four month window in there where there just isn't a lot happening, mm-hmm. and then you have to kind of try to figure out ways to kind of keep yourself sharp. Yeah. You know, and that that makes it a little bit more. Also, yeah. I think that that legislation helps because you can have those bridge over days now where you can take those days and you can say, okay, you know, we're not going to be in competition during that time, but we can still do these things and try to keep ourselves as sharp as we can. You know, because for for instance, like for men's golf, you know, they win the conference tournament. They're off to the NCAA, you know, tournament mat or the, you know, meet. Yeah. But they've got that four months in between where they're not really doing anything. Right. You know, and so you, where you get those extra days where you can now come in, you can have team stuff, you can work on some stuff. Um, you know, and, and if there's anything that needs to be tweaked or anything, you can work on that. So, yeah, um, I think, like you said, to the spring sports freshmen or first year um, students, mm-hmm. I think that's critical <clears throat> that uh, they can have more contact and just engagement right. connection with the team, with the coach to help them get settled and grounded, supported, um, get college life figured out that first semester. And then on the other side, I think for fall sports, a lot of times while our teams do things in the spring previously or historically, it's not quite the same and it takes till usually March or April with our weather. So again, there's a long gap. You end your soccer, volleyball, football season in, you know, early November. Right. It's a long stretch uh, before you start doing some team activities again previously before the rule change. So now I think those fall sports too, just the semester end doesn't necessarily equate, okay, we won't see them for two, three months and mm-hmm. um, has helped them to, from what I've heard or conversations I've had. We, Taking the weather conversation we had earlier into account, has there been discussions? I mean, I know there has been, but is there any traction to discussions of splitting seasons for the spring sports where yeah. they can get some games in yeah. in the fall? Yeah. that it, Yes. I. It just seems like it's never going to get over that that hurdle or that um, you know mountain to actually come to fruition. But there's definitely been a discussion of, you know, what if you could play up to 10 games in the fall? Right. Um, I think a couple of the roadblocks uh, that come up typically in the conversation, how do you wrestle with then for championships and selections in the spring? Okay, this team won 10 games in the fall, but the one or two pitchers that won all those games 
transferred out or they're not even oh, there now right. in the second semester. And so now the selection committee for that sport is going, how do we evaluate or wrestle yeah. with that? They won those games. They deserve them. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a part that comes up. And then the second part, I think, is that facility and support services as well. Typically, not all, you know, campuses, but a lot of times number of sports in the fall is the largest already yep. going, you know, yeah. 6, 8, 10, 12. Um, so then to add, you know, maybe another baseball, softball, and another five to ten dates to that, um, I think some are concerned just athletic training support, athletic communication, um, ability to handle that. Again, those are the two things that typically come up that seem to kind of pump the brakes or slow down the sure. conversation. The other interesting part of that conversation, there's a, there's some parts of Division three that would say flip and put baseball, softball in the fall, soccer in the spring, which I think for September, October, agree. I think the challenge becomes, you know, thinking of playing baseball, softball postseason in November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In well, some parts of Division three membership, oh. you know, the South and Texas and the West probably is just fine, but kind of the Midwest to Mideast, Northeast, that's probably not well, a fun thought. No, that, that, I'm glad you brought that up, though, that because a cold baseball game. you have to realize that, you know, part of the struggle with having baseball and softball in the spring is simply our location. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't right. just a question of, and, and when you're making these kind of decisions, you have to take the, the whole into account. Most of the country is able to play baseball um, earlier than we are, simply yeah. because, and in the spring, it makes sense for them because, right. you know, everybody else is, you know, they don't, have, they don't have the winters that we have. They don't have the chance maybe for inclement weather that's going to, you know, put things out for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, but up here, you know, there's a chance we could get, you know, flurries as, you know, mid-April into early May. Oh, right. Yeah. I have shoveled so, snow for a county yeah. softball <laughs> tournament multiple times. Right, yeah, so. but that is, <laughs> yep. but, but that's, that is a unique, like, aspect of playing baseball and softball and having outdoor track and field in the upper Midwest. You don't get that in the Southwest. You don't get it in the Southeast. You don't get it on the West Coast. You don't even get it necessarily Northeast as much. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can understand, like, from our perspective, why we want to, you know, have those conversations. But for the other schools, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. You know, because they're fine as is. I mean, if you're playing Division Three or Division Two baseball in any of those other places, you have a field available to you all year. You can go out there and just, you know, have batting practice and throw around and all that kind of stuff. We're the ones that are sort of limited in that regard. And so that, that's one of those where you have to sort of, like, weigh, you know, that those kind of things against other factors as well. Yeah. And that, that's a big one. You yeah. Know, that's, that's probably the big one right. when it comes to having these conversations, you know, for us, you know, in our location. So yeah. I think twice in the last 10 years we've had years or seasons where – one or two conferences in the South, like the USA South and Division Three, uh, and another conference, were finishing their conference tournament before we were playing our first conference games. Because <laughs> some of those conferences typically do their conference tournaments in mid-April. They've right, already right. had a good stretch of regular season. Yeah. Uh, and so I remember specifically two years where we were literally getting our first conference games in that weekend, and they were finishing right. their, That's crazy. their tournaments. But, I mean, that, that makes sense, again, because they're, they're able to do that. Right. Yeah. From a scheduling standpoint. We, yep. can, we simply can't. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's never going to happen here. Yep. You know, so, um, you know, there are those, those, like, those factors that are out of your control. Yeah. And when you're talking about the whole of D3, you know, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Like, different states, for instance, in high school, some play a spring season for their for uh, you know baseball and softball. Some play a fall. Mm-hmm. Some play in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know if, if they have to. So that's that's when the real sort of difficulties that comes up when you're talking about uh, trying to figure out 
a, a, a format and a schedule that works for the entire like for the entire landscape yeah, of Division sure. Three, yeah. and that, that's where it gets tough. Yep. Internally, has there been an appetite for that or no? Uh, the the conference conversations when we discuss those elements, uh, the biggest concern has been the staffing facilities ability. If we start adding more sports in the fall, or mm-hmm. um, that tends to be the first kind of um, red flag, if you will, that's put up or needing to have more dialogue on. Uh, I think coaching wise, coaches are very open to, you know, what what are other options, what are better options, but just administratively and support staff wise, that's what starts the conversation usually. Sure. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, kind of give us the the state of the union, I guess, sure. of of the conference. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I usually when I get asked that question, say uh, at least in recent the last year or so, uh, we're doing okay. You know, I think higher education right now in general is an interesting uh, point uh, with the demographic, the the cliff coming, and uh, just. The pure number of 18 to 23-year-olds will be at one of the lowest numbers in really the history of the U.S. Um, there's certainly going to be challenges ahead. There's challenges now. So I, I won't sit here and tell you that we have eight thriving institutions as far as full members. <laughs> right. um, I don't think there's many conferences that probably could say that all of their members are thriving right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we're unique in that aspect or, or alone in, in that regard. But um, a lot of our institutions are doing some really good things to try to be uh, just creative, diversifying, um, you know, trying to help them um, in terms of unique programs, adding different programs that hopefully can combat some of the, the demographic challenges. Um, and just it, higher ed's a flooded market. There's so many options now. Right. Um, so I think our institutions are doing a really good job trying to look at five years out, ten years out, um, you know, how do we put us, put ourselves in a position to be sustainable? And that goes beyond athletics. So, you know, I'm kind of answering your question or starting it um, beyond just the athletics lens. Um, but we're, we're doing okay. Um, I think competitively wise, um, again, through the fall sports and certainly the basketball season, uh, you know, we're continuing to show that our top teams can compete well with people around us regionally, nationally. Um, so I think competitiveness wise, we're, we're doing well and, uh, continue to make progress there, particularly some sports, obviously, um, over others. But, uh, I think right now we're in this situation in terms of kind of the, the conference, some schools are trying to figure out, can we add sports still? And, you know, it helps enrollment, uh, you know, will it help us in other ways? Do we need to just support our current sport offerings more and, you know, do further in terms of institutional support for what we're doing now. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the sense that I get in terms of institutions really wrestling with where to put limited resources, mm-hmm. which every campus is having to battle and navigate. Yep. There's only, only so many resources, so yeah. what's most um, strategic or effective for us, athletics and beyond? Well, I think a lot of people because schools will look at it and go, add football. Yeah. 100, play, 100 students. Yeah. Chances are you're not going to have 100 students, and it's a very expensive sport. So then, okay, that one's not going to work, so what's what's the next one? You don't want to add just to add. Mm-hmm. You know, there has right. to be a strategic yeah. piece to it, and it has to be something that can be sustainable because the we get it here all the time, bring yeah. back football. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would be a good thing for us currently. That's my own personal opinion, yeah. so that doesn't – I'm speaking for nobody else within right. the department yeah. or the university. That is my personal opinion. I don't think that would be a good move. Yeah. I don't think that would be a smart move. But it's a very strategic thing that a lot of schools are going are having to navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine that 
especially for schools in our region in this conference, what happened to Finlandia was really the the alarm that yeah. went, okay, this is hitting close to home now. Yeah. That's a that's a school that's essentially in our footprint and that just about everybody had on their schedule mm-hmm. in yeah. multiple sports. Yeah. So I think that, that might had to have been kind of the, the one that hit yeah. the alarm in, in the room and said, okay, we have to really be smart about this. Yeah, and I think if you open up Chronicle of Higher Education or obviously other higher ed news um, outlets or um, tickers, it feels like almost every day or every week there's a new institution that's announced they're closing or merging, you know, mm-hmm. or some way, shape, or yep. form kind of um, transitioning to essentially um, not what they uh, are. Uh, so it, it not just Finlandia, but I think even just regionally, nationally, um, you certainly feel that every day, every week. And I think one of the things that our presidents and chancellors have been talking about a lot at their meetings is all of our institutions, athletics is a very, student-athlete population is a very critical part of their overall enrollment. So if you look at our eight schools, there's a range from about 28, uh, kind of mid-20s percent, all the way up to even 60-plus percent of the total students are student-athletes. That's crazy. So as, and I would say that number across all eight institutions continues to increase because the general student population is flatlining or decreasing and our student-athlete populations are increasing. Right. So as that number increases, I think our presidents and chancellors have to really navigate, um, you know, how do they keep utilizing athletics? And it adds so much to their yeah. campus in a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of positives. The return on it in a lot of measurable and unmeasurable ways is, is really good. But at the same time, you know, they, don't, they want to be careful and sensitive. Uh, we aren't an athlete campus or all our school right. is only yeah. here because We're of athletics. We're not a sports academy. Right. Yeah. You start getting 60 70-plus percent athlete population and obviously I think you've got some other challenges <laughs> right. ahead of you so they our presence in Chancellor group has really wrestled with um, where's that sweet spot we want to keep um, utilizing athletics and supporting it well at the same time we need to see our general student population keep going up as well mm-hmm. from a conference standpoint then I guess the, the, the that segues into sports offerings and from the conference standpoint are what's the look for growth there are there yeah. sports that the conference is looking at going, okay, that could be a championship sport in the UMAC that it currently is not? Sure. I would say right now, and based on our, our recent present chancellor and athletic director meetings, I see us staying right where we are. We've yeah. got 18 you know, sports, and there was discussion of other sports. Lacrosse obviously typically comes up, um, wrestling, uh, men's volleyball. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of our institutions individually maybe still add a, a wrestling, a mm-hmm. men's or women's wrestling, or a men's volleyball, or lacrosse. Um, but as a conference, our president's chancellor said, okay, we're not in position. We would rather fund and support our current offerings more, do some things enhancement-wise um, to improve our current offerings instead of adding more. So I don't see us dropping sports or eliminating sports from a conference perspective, which is great. Um, as well, but it, it seems like for the foreseeable future, I think we'll be at the 18 that we're at. What is the kind of the trigger number, I guess? How many schools would have to add, say, a lacrosse for the conference to go, okay, we're going to make that a championship sport? Sure. Two parts of that. First, from an NCAA standpoint, to get an automatic qualifier, you'd have to have six at least in your conference, but you do need at least four core members. Mm-hmm. Or it becomes a single sport conference. Obviously, there's some hockey single sport conferences or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really would need four co- uh, core full members for lacrosse um, before I think we'd look at putting it in our UMAC umbrella. Our conference bylaws dictate 
to have a conference championship, at least 50% of the membership has to sponsor it. So right now, just with eight full members, that number kind of aligns anyways is the mm -hmm. same. But those are kind of the two numbers or figures you'll look at just in terms of legislatively that we'd have to be utilizing. Wrestling's interesting to me because yeah. in the 90s and 2000s, no sport got cut more yeah. Yeah. than wrestling. The, the story that always sticks out in my mind is uh, Nebraska-Omaha mm -hmm. had just won, I think, their fourth consecutive yeah. national championship. And then we're told right after your sport's dead. Yeah. Yep. And so it's interesting that you're starting to see some schools go, wrestling could be an option here. Yeah. You know, because it was the sport that just got murdered mm -hmm. in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. 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 I mean, it happened in St. Olaf when I was happened there. happened here. Yeah. 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 And wrestling right now, if you look at the numbers, just in terms of state high school leagues, you know, across either the NFHS, the whole National Federation of High Schools numbers, or state by state, um, wrestling is one women and men is one of the fastest growing sports or right now one of the, the largest growing sports um, amongst all sports so I think that's really opened the eyes of some you know institutional leaders and campus administrators to say okay at the high school level this is really growing maybe we really do need to rethink this and even within our conference um, you know Northland at one point had really strong men's wrestling program and some very passionate alum uh, alumni that are you know um, still a part of um, events there. Morris, Minnesota Morris had mm -hmm. men's and women's wrestling, very, very strong wrestling programs at one point. Um, so uh, even within our conference, there's a little bit of wrestling history, uh, you know, probably uh, less and lesser known just as time goes on, but at right. one point some, some, some pretty strong programs. We still get it here. Sure. Because if you go back to the 1960s, Superior was a wrestling power. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I, I believe, I know in the WIAC, the Wrestling Coach of the Year is still named after Mertz. Yeah. And Mertz is in the National Wrestling Hall of sure. Fame, Wrestling Coaches Hall of right. Fame. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. any wrestling Hall of Fame he could be in, he is in. So it is a sport that was a very, very big sport here. Right, yeah. And it, it coincided with, you know, Mertz was coaching football and wrestling, so he'd recruit players to play, play football ball. and wrestle. <laughs> sure. Right. And yeah. so he, he was able to build two programs that way. Yeah. But there still is, it's been gone 30-plus years here, yeah. but there still is a sliver of that alumni base that once a year, <laughs> well, yeah. our, they, yeah. they get vocal. <laughs> yeah. of, of, right. And now, now when you see some right. schools that are within close proximity to here yeah. that are bringing wrestling back or adding it, they kind of start to speak up and go, hey, how about us? How about us? Well, and, and our, our, our neighboring conferences, I think, sponsor wrestling pretty heavily too. I mean, if you look at the Mayak and the Wyak, they both have very viable uh, wrestling teams on their in the respective conferences. I mean, Augsburg, when I was in college, was a huge national still power. Still is. Yeah, yeah. and they're still a national yeah. power. Uh, the Wyak puts together some really good wrestling squads as sure. well. So you're, you know, you're talking about an area where wrestling is, is, is a big deal mm -hmm. uh, geographically. Um, you know, and that the upper Midwest is known as something of a wrestling well, area. Yeah. If you spend yeah. any time in Iowa. I was just going to oh, say, yeah. add the American Minnesota. River Conference uh, <laughs> yeah, to Minnesota your list and Wisconsin as well. Yeah. There's a lot of really good wrestlers that come out of that area. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Iowa's won so many national championships in wrestling. Uh, University of Minnesota's had some national championship level teams. Wisconsin's been highly competitive. That's at the D1 level. But if you filter all the way down, I mean, with Augsburg being a multi-time national champion as well, mm -hmm. and then you throw in the other you know, athletes, wrestling athletes that have gone to other WIAC and MIAC schools, um, yeah, I mean, there's a thirst for it for sure. Yeah. Um, there always has been. And yeah. so that's something that probably does bear watching, mm -hmm. you know, in the future to see what where that goes. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, that's that's sort of 
you know that that's a that's a whole another athletic area that uh, you know probably is worth exploring at some point anyway. And I think you hit on the regional um, just strength, but also there there is just regional numbers in terms of WIAC programs, Iowa ARC programs, a couple in the MIAC. I think for institutional leaders, that's a big part as they look at a sport, potentially adding how far do we have to travel? Right. Where can we yep. go yeah, to where get can we games? Go to, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just from a, a pure feasibility standpoint and budgeting and financial reality. So wrestling in that regard is probably a little more attractive than a, a lacrosse or maybe some other sports because there just is more regional programs yeah. that could fill a schedule. With Minnesota high school recognizing men's volleyball, how quickly do you think that growth filters into college? I think it's going to come quick. I've uh, been a part of a lot of conversations and meetings um, just in the last two, three months. Even some, like I said, some of our schools are definitely looking at it. Um, I know there's a couple of my ex schools that are looking at it. I think, uh, rightfully so, with men's volleyball, the one piece becomes just Title IX considerations yep. and institutions needing to do their deep dive and feasibility study to make sure you know they're in a position that they could add it if they're just adding men's volleyball. Uh, they need to make sure that they're still Title IX compliant, and I'm yeah. considering that, of course, uh, which is important. So, but it's the Minnesota State High School League, and then Wisconsin already is, yep. and and growing there a little bit more towards the Madison, Milwaukee area. Yeah, you get down south; those yeah. schools down there have it. Yeah. Carthage and Carroll and all them. Yeah, yeah. but I think it's even creeping kind of mid Wisconsin and yep. Minnesota. So. It, it's coming. It's the train coming. is coming faster, I think, uh, <laughs> than some people maybe realize. But um, I know for particularly for some of our schools, it's the Title IX piece that they're really looking at to make sure. Let's talk a little bit about growth in a different sense from the conference standpoint, because I, it's it's common knowledge that things are very fluid in terms of conferences these days, especially yep. if you look at the Division One ranks, and that does filter down, and there is conference <clears throat> movement and schools leaving and moving up to Division One or Two or whatever is going on. How does the UMAC view all that right now? And I know sure. you can't get into the, the deep weeds on that, yeah. but where is the conference looking in terms of expansion and growth? Sure. Yeah, I think I've, I've probably said this um, with you before um, when we've been together, but our presidents and chancellors remain very... Um, committed to expansion philosophically. Um, we're very open to that. Uh, you know, obviously it needs to be a good fit, the right fit in a lot of different areas or, or considerations, but just from a starting point, pure philosophical conversations, we really want to look to continue to expand. Uh, so that hasn't changed in recent years. And obviously, as you noted, the, the landscape, I think will continue to be more fluid, even vision three. Um, we do have an application um, that our president's chancellors will be reviewing and acting on later this spring. Um, so, you know, that's exciting. Um, I don't know where it's going to land, you know, where the president's chancellors um, will land. Uh, we've had a lot of meetings already, a lot more meetings to, to go and conversations mm -hmm. and dialogue. But potentially, you know, adding our first full member since we added uh, Wisconsin Superior uh, would be coming uh, if we did admit uh, into that in particular institution, it would be, you know, fall of 25 at the earliest. Okay. So as far as schedules and competition, it wouldn't be next year, but it would be the fall of 25. Um, but we also are engaged in conversation with some other institutions as well. Um, it's, it's a fascinating process in conversations, you know, uh, rightfully so the first 20 questions or things that a present chancellor wants to look at are probably much different than the first 20 things that an athletic director or coach uh, maybe wants to consider right. or look at at a school. And so, uh, you know, it, membership opportunities are always interesting, and there's really no two are alike, if you will, when you mm -hmm. work with institutions. 
um, just what it could look like. And, and so um, it'll be an interesting couple of months to see where we land with the application in hand and, and then from there what other doors hopefully open. But we're going to continue absolutely not shy about it, if you will, to, to keep trying to expand our full membership. It's a process. Like yeah. I, I want to say 2013 is when we started the conversations. Yeah. And became a member in 2015. Yeah. So, so it's it's a process. Yeah. It's not something that happens overnight. It definitely does not go quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I remember very initial conversation with Steve um, and Julius was a chancellor still um, at that time, kind of towards the end. But right. um, yeah, it's funny to think about. I mean, really who I started with in terms of interacting and engaging with from Superior, you know, much different, of course, it's been a while, but right, um, than the, the institutional leadership now, but you're absolutely right. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight, and, and as they should, institutional leaders, presidents, chancellors, cabinet, they want to do their due diligence and to make that significant of a decision, particularly if it's a school that's in a, a conference that they've been in for a long time. You know, that's going to look different than maybe somebody that's independent or they're trying right. to go from NAI to Division Three or some other national organization. It's going to look different. Yeah, it was very different leaving a WIEC where you've been for 100 years. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, they just celebrate the centennial. And I, there's a part of me that sees humor in the, the USA Today thing yeah. because it was the conference that never changes and all this stuff. And then, like, six weeks later, yeah, we're yeah. going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, in the, the landscape, we're seeing it now. And, and this is across all of uh, college athletics, in my opinion. You're seeing it. Um, where, especially at Division One level, and all of those discussions that are taking place there, that's all. I, that, that's money. That's money based. <clears throat> that's yeah. money driven. Mm-hmm. But it shows you again, though, that there is fluidity happening right now, where, mm-hmm. where teams are moving around quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I know that uh, you know these conversations are also happening at the Division Two level in terms of who's going where. Uh, you know, UMD's conference lost a member last year in Upper Upper Iowa. Mm-hmm. You know, bailed, and now they're they're over in the Great Lakes. Uh, conference. So, you know, that's a Vision 2 example. And then, you know, in 2015 when we left the WIAC, you know, created quite a stir. And, uh, you know, St. Glasgow then making a jump. So, you know, there is that fluidity question where, where teams do move around and the schools do move around a little bit. Um, and I, I think right now the big thing is a lot of these schools seem to be looking for some level of stability, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're in an independent school. You know, Finlandia was, was a, a, you know, a chart, well, it was sort of a satellite member in certain, you know, conferences for certain sports but there is kind of a, a stability factor as well though I think in being in a conference because it, it gives you a little bit more of a reliable kind of backup system a little mm-hmm. bit you've got you've got more support internally you know and uh, you know if, if you're part of something where you're you're grouping instead of just trying to fly it on your own so mm-hmm. I imagine the division three level that's going to become kind of common is to see where teams are moving around a little bit here yeah and really even division three in terms of the northeast um part of the country kind of into the middies there's been a lot of conference membership changes um and and I think you're going to see in the midwest more changes in fluidity than we did for a long time you know yeah. some of the conferences in the midwest the upper midwest have been in existence for a long time and had very little changes, but there's starting to be some change, and I think you're going to see even more change um, in the Midwest, even in leagues that historically maybe have had, you know, not as much um, change. But really, Division Three, uh, particularly some parts of the country already, are having a lot of membership changes. And I think, to your point, um, at the big... It starts with recruiting, right? So institutions want tools that they can use to help them recruit and be successful in recruiting, both quality athletes and quantitatively. 
and so I think that's where that conference um, home provides tools in terms of simple as awards and then championship access and NCAA, you know, championship access. And uh, that really becomes, I think, a critical piece for schools as they recruit, needing to feel like they have the tools um, to do that. Whereas Finlandia situation or other institutions, if they're independent, that's a that was a tough life to, yeah. to recruit mm-hmm. just in terms of trying to convince, um, you know, an 18-year-old or 17-year-old. That's a different type of cell than somebody that can offer three, four, five other tools. Right. right. Yep. Yep. Can we talk about the network? Sure. Absolutely. The the UMAC network and what could potentially be coming down the road. Uh, we had a meeting about that this week among the athletic communication staff. So what can you tell us about potentially the future of the UMAC network? Yeah, I'll, I'll actually add to it. And uh, we are excited. We'll be uh, announcing, formally or unveiling, I should say, in July, a new logo and a total rebrand uh, for our conference. So very, very excited about that. And I think, um, you know, it would be a nice touch with it would be the, the UMAC network launching at the same time. And so we're, we're excited that hopefully we can make that happen. Still some meetings to go, and obviously our um, institutional administrators need to still make some final decisions, but there seems to be growing support and um, excitement around it. So, uh, yeah, I think it would help our going back to recruiting um, right. identity for the conference. I think there's some positives of doing that and having our own network. Uh, and, you know, we recognize we, we wouldn't be the first. There's certainly others, but I think there's some ideas that um, we have in Jordan, our assistant commissioner, that um, we would try to capitalize doing it, maybe some things that other leagues aren't doing or some layers to it that we could do um, to still set us apart a little bit when we launch it and if we're able to do that. So I'm personally very, very excited for this summer and the, the potential of doing the rebrand launch right. and then also the, the network as well I think would be a really – kind of one-two punch uh, together makes a lot of sense. What was the strategy and the thinking behind the rebrand? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of elements really drove it or, or pushed it. Uh, I think first, uh, our current logo and elements and everything that goes with, a you know, uh, kind of brand, I guess, if you will, uh, is a little bit outdated, I guess, in itself. Uh, but there were, you know, I think there was a sense in terms of it was created in kind of the, the birth, if you will, or infant stage of, of the UMAC. Mm-hmm. Um, and now maybe, you know, a sense that we're in a, a different chapter in the life cycle, if you will, of a conference and time to kind of do a refresh, if you will, or a little bit of a makeover. Um, and so I, I think part of it was simply just it felt like it was time. Um, and I know there's value in organizations that have the same logo for 100 years and those types of things, too, are, are certainly positive. But it felt like an opportunity um, in this chapter of our life cycle to, um, yeah, to to do an update and to utilize it in that way. I think second, um, you know, as you'll see in July uh, when we unveil it, uh, I think there's a little bit more um, just strategy behind it, more of a why behind it, um, whereas our, our initial and current, you know, logo and related elements, candidly, I don't think there was a lot of um, – a lot of thought put in, you know, to when they were created. Yeah, that works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. And it, it's worked for us. You know, it's been fine. Um, so certainly want to be respectful of those that were part of uh, creating it and launching it when they did. But I think this time there's just a lot more um, thought behind it and, and a tagline, too, that, you know, I think we can build on. And 
so I'm excited to see. Hopefully, we can leverage it and utilize it more just in our social media platforms and mm -hmm. obviously digital website things as well. Um, but the the end goal really is that hopefully it helps our schools recruit. Right. Um, you know, I think we'll do some things with it in terms of video and social media and things that hopefully helps our schools in the end um, with their institutional recruiting efforts. That's that's really the lens that we look through a lot with the conference in terms of when we say, okay, should we do this? What's the value of it? Can it help? It, it, we always start with, does it help our schools recruit? If it does, you know, then let's keep talking about it. This whole conversation really shows that it's there's nothing static here. <laughs> no. I mean, there are so many moving parts when you are dealing just at the conference level, but then when you get a little more granular within right. the, the individual members and everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You must be exhausted. <laughs> uh, it, you know, people ask, I'm fortunate to be in this position now, 16 years, uh, which is hard to believe, but people ask, well, what's changed or, you know, how's it different? I think the biggest element is the rate at which the president's chancellors and the athletic directors are changing now. And it's probably not a lot different than other industries, mm -hmm. you know, just people don't stay in the same positions as long right. as they yep. do, and, and um, life has changed in that way. So when the people around the tables with you that help make the decisions and are critical to making decisions change at a higher rate, um, you know, that's a different element. Uh, I've, the presidents, chancellors that were all in place when I was hired, have all moved on. Some schools have had two, three, four, you know, presidents, <laughs> chancellors in that time. Um, I think one figured out this past summer, I think it was like 50-some ADs that I've worked with, you know, in my time. So it, when the people changes at a higher rate, um, I think that impacts a little bit just in terms of um, the speed of decisions and, um, you know, how much historical perspective you have to add in and right. um, you know there's some times where we're sitting around a table making a decision I go we were just talking about this three years ago why are we yeah. talking about this and then I have to remind myself oh yeah half to three quarters of the people weren't <laughs> yeah, we're around here. the table we're, we're, right. when, we, when we had this conversation three years ago so in terms of exhausting I still love what I do it's 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 a great uh, yeah just we have awesome people in our conference and and really enjoy it but that's the piece that's probably changed the most in, mm -hmm. in my time. I, I can't imagine that. Well, just not having that kind of continuity. I mean, you, it's weird when you lose a, a coach. Right. You know, and we've been very fortunate the last few years. We haven't had We're a stable. ton of turnover yeah, with coaches, stable, which is yeah. great. But Absolutely. being in that chair, I mean, it, we'll just drop it down to an AD level. And if you're constantly turning over these coaches and everything, how do you get any traction on anything? Because you constantly have to kind of hit a reset right. and, and yeah. try to bring them all back. And you have to deal with that so much. That's unbelievable. Well, and the other thing is, is that we're, li we're living in a changing world. Mm -hmm. I mean, when, when Corey takes over 16 years ago, there's no social media yet. Yeah. I mean, the internet is still there. But we're not into social media and graphics and Twitter and Facebook. and all. These things didn't exist. So now all of a sudden you've got that. No aspect. podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> podcast yeah. didn't exist. <laughs> so, you know, you yeah. would – you know, there was things called coaches shows back then. Mm -hmm. Right. But that was it, you know. And Over the air radio. Right, yeah. And that yeah. was, you know, for Division One almost exclusively. Right. Yeah. And now, you know, with the way the world has changed, you know, you have to keep up with it. And it makes it that much more, you know, you, you just, the world is changing at all times. And so yeah. there's always fluidity to a situation. And, you know, we talk about the conference memberships and the schools coming, going, or wherever they're going to end up. But it's also, we're living in the digital age now. 
digital media has now become such a huge thing, and that's such a big push now for things like the UMAC network. Right. You know, and that's another thing. That's a conversation you wouldn't have had even five years ago. Right. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's a forefront question for every conference at every Absolutely. level. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, it, it, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on all the time. Yeah. What's your, uh, you know, one of the things that's obviously hitting Division Three, and, and we've talked about to some degree, but it, the conversations are going to increase further. What are your thoughts on, you know, conferences that are going to, like, a paywall for all, you know, contests, regular season, championships, so anything? It's, that, that's going to be interesting. We did it here. We, we did it here with, with men's hockey okay. exclusively because um, they run a different network than the yeah. rest of the sports were. Yeah. And we saw a definite drop in viewership okay. when we went to the paywall. Interesting. And as soon as we removed it, it went right back up. Again. It went right yeah. back up. So figure if, if you go behind a paywall, you're probably, probably going to lose a third of what your numbers are sure. currently and i think you'll get that certain slice of the population that just goes oh, i'm just not going to watch that sure. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll watch something on TikTok. i'm not going to watch this but you will have the other demographic that will oh, if i want to see it i guess i i gotta yeah, do, do it this, you yeah. know because there there is there is something to be said for giving your product away yeah mm -hmm. you know there there's something to be said for for not doing that mm -hmm. and I, I think it's just a matter of time before schools across the board are, are charging for these things. And there's going to be that initial outrage, yeah. you know, that, oh, my God, they're, they're making us pay for this. Well, if you were coming to the game, we'd have to buy a ticket anyway. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's it's no different. Yeah, It's yeah. no different. And I, I think you're just going to get to that point where across the board. I could be wrong. Again, just my opinion, nobody yeah. else's. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could get to that point where across the board, everything's going to have a paywall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like newspapers. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll, they give you what, three free articles now, and then you have to buy your digital yep. subscription. It's going to yep. be the same thing here. Mm -hmm. We'll give you a game to watch, or we'll give you eight minutes of a game. Right. But after that, you're going to have to pay for this. Yeah. You know, I, I also broadcast for UMD, yep. and they've been throwing that idea around. Um, the NSIC network. The way that they're running it right now, they're only doing playoff games where you have to pay for a paywall. They're, I, the anticipation, the anticip anticipation, I think, is that, or the expectation, I should say, is that everything will go behind a paywall at some point. I just don't know when that's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so they're kind of experimenting right now. But I, is, I, I think it is something that's going to be coming up. I do wonder how the public will take it in, though, just because of – Okay, Division One does that, but it's Division One, so you expect that, right? right? So because these are full scholarship athletes, some of them are going to play professionally somewhere someday, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, Division Two, I don't know what the numbers are. This is the first year that the NSIC Network has done this, um, where they've been. If you're if you're watching a postseason game, you have to pay because mm -hmm. um, regular season games are still free. You yep. can just tune in and watch them. Sure. Um, but there is a plan in, in place to make everything behind a paywall, and I don't know what's going to happen there in terms sure. of how that's going to look. Um, at Division three, my concern is going down. It, the further down you go, the less people are going to be willing to pay in for it, simply because it's Division two and Division three. Mm -hmm. We're not watching professional athletes. We're not watching you know potential players. We're going to be seeing you know playing at the highest levels down the road. Right. Um, you know, these are not big revenue schools, so why am I having to pay any revenue at all to watch a game otherwise? 
I think your point is a good one in terms of, um, you know, just the fact that, uh, you know, if you're going to go to the game, you're still going to have to pay to get in. Um, but there are certain people who watch online because they don't want to pay to go to a game. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the, the kind of the tension lies a little mm-hmm. bit. Um but to be honest with you, I don't know what the what the full landscape is going to look like. I think down the road, eventually, everyone will go to a paywall. Um, and I wonder what that will do, though, in terms of viewership long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everything's becoming more expensive, not less. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then there's going to have to be some, you know, conversations had there in terms of how much are we going to charge for a paywall? How are we going to do it? Is it going to be every sport? Yeah, it's going to be every it sport. Or is it going to be football and yep. basketball? Yeah. You know, and then there's the question what like. What message does that send? Yeah. 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 And yeah. then, you know, and then there's going to be the question of are you going to get a season pass? Are you going to get a year pass? Are you going to get a half year pass? Are you going to get a per game where you can buy one game? Sport pass. Yeah, yeah sport pass for individuals. So if you want to watch, you know, say our team, our, our men's basketball team played Martin Luther, you, you can pay two ninety nine to watch just this one game instead of having to pay forty nine ninety nine for the season or whatever you know whatever the, the the you know and I'm like I said I'm just kind of spitballing here right but those are the kind of questions that are also going to have to come up so mm-hmm. um, I personally prefer a situation where you can buy per game because if you keep it to we'll say one ninety nine two ninety most people can afford that to watch a game yeah um, you know but you know and, and but there are some also you know, cable and paywalls where you can't do that. You have to buy a season pass. Thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't think that would necessarily work at Division Two and Division Three. I think you can get away with that Division One, But it's a conversation that's going to be ongoing. Absolutely. You know, um, so, yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, you know, what kind of conversations have been had by everybody else and other leagues, you know, and in the UMAC or otherwise. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a consideration. It's going to be something that's going to have to be tackled I think within the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many layers to it. It's, it's a kind of a fascinating conversation. Uh, it, you know, I think there's probably that assessment of, okay, if we go behind a paywall, how much funding or resources does it end up helping our institutions? What's the bottom line number that they get by doing that? Is that worth some people not being as a, yeah. Excited, right. some people, right. you, gonna... you know, not watching, tuning in, supporting your, where is that line? But I also, you know, I've had this conversation with some of our schools talking about it. If a product is free, <laughs> they'll live with, oh, the the score ticker isn't working tonight or at first. Or <laughs> right. audio, we had an issue, you know, yep. not a big deal. There's that question, too. As soon yep. as you charge a dollar, let alone whatever XYZ number you amount not might have be, any technical difficulties. the quality expectation changes immediately, even if it's a pretty reasonable price. Yep. Um, and so I think, you know, we've talked a lot, Jordan, our assistant commissioner is working on, even if we never get behind a paywall, or if we do, but developing... Um, conference requirements as far as, you know, any of our right. um, products that we're going to be putting out then. Partly, too, because of the network to make sure that we're consistent and there's a standard yeah. that we're hitting. But, you know, if we were to ever end up, and we may never end up behind the conference paywall, I think that becomes important than just the, the standards and the expectations are being hit so that people are excited or, yeah. or at least willing to pay what they're paying um, right. for the product they're getting. Well, it's one of the problems that Flow ran into. Yep. Uh, when, Flo, yeah. you know, when Flow came out, it was a really good idea, um, but it was expensive at the start. And you were thinking, okay, well, we're going to try this Flow hockey, Flow baseball. I mean, they were basically covering everything across the board. Mm-hmm. But 
they got overextended, mm-hmm. and, the, and the quality really went down. Yeah. And it became a big problem for them. Um, and that's something that we've seen, well, I think, with other streaming services as well. If you go behind a paywall and you hire them to come in, that the, the, the consistency just wasn't there. You could get a really good broadcast on one from Flow Hockey, but then somebody else would completely drop the ball on their end. Right. And you're, saying, and you're paying the same price. Paying the same price. And yeah. this one has a, a broadcaster, this one doesn't. This is a three-camera shoot. This yeah. is on an iPhone. Ex- exactly. It, there has to be that. And that's, that that's a concern. Yeah. I, think that that was, I think the experience that people have with Flow was sort of where that question goes, okay, you know, ESPN is, is seamless because they they are a big you know conglomerate and they have the money to make it work and they do have bottom line you know expectations of how it's going to look and right. it does look that way. But when you are starting out and you get some of these startup companies, I think sometimes you get in that situation where you bite off a little bit more than you can chew, mm-hmm. and you're trying your 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 aspirations are in the right place, but your execution really lacks, and that's again where that comes in. Yeah. Everybody's got to be on the same page as to what the expectations are. And that's one of the things that the NSIC network has done well, is everybody has kind of a baseline expectation of what the stream is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is going to be, again, when you start putting in a, a price, a 199 $299, $399, or 499 price line, because right now uh, for NSIC playoff games, it's 499 I think, is what the, is what the price is for the paywall. Um, you better keep the the quality better stay up there, yep. yeah. Because people are people are going to complain, yep. yeah, and be upset if they're even if it's just five bucks, right? They're not going to want to pay five bucks and then have you know fuzzy picture, bad camera work, and a, and a play by play guy who doesn't know what's going on. And even if you, you have, know what I mean, yeah. like that's oh yeah, even Absolutely. if you have yeah. a, a, an ESPN quality broadcast, though, you are going to have somebody who's going to try to get that five bucks back at the end of the game, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and say I watch this whole right, thing yeah. start to finish, and I am not satisfied. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but that—that's those are the questions. Well, those are those are you know. And so there has to be a, a a strong commitment across the board from everybody to say, we this is what we need to have. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you know, manage that, then it basically falls apart because now now we can't do it because not everybody is capable of doing it. Right? Yeah. So that's that's another question that. And that's that's a bigger question, I think, the D three level. It's a than, fascinating yeah. conversation. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I think you know it's it's going about. 60, 70 miles per hour right now. It's going to go to Give up. 75, 80, yeah. 85, <laughs> 90 real yeah, quick. Yeah, we're starting uh, into the Audubon speeds here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Do we have enough road to get this thing to 88? <laughs> yeah. yeah, do we have <laughs> enough road to get this thing to 88? <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. So. Yes. So. I want to be cognizant of your time here because you are obviously here in an official capacity. So anything else you, you want to throw at the, the, the viewers here before we let you go? I, I would just add uh, grateful for uh, Superior in terms of uh, just – all that you do, both, um, you know, teams very competitive and represent our conference very, very well, but also, uh, you know, digitally, social media, all types of content in that regard. I mean, you guys do it so well. It's a home run, the Grand Slam. Um, obviously, John, your staff, and, and Holden and company um, do a great job. So from a conference standpoint, we're grateful in terms of, you know, how Superior represents us. And, um, you know, usually... Uh, you know, talking with somebody around the country or who's in your conference or that, you start saying some school names. 
your brand and, and what you've done here is certainly known and, and uh, identified well, and, and I think that speaks to obviously the job that you and Holden have done. So, uh, yeah, just grateful. It's always uh, fun to be here, to be at championships, and looking forward to a good weekend. I thought for a little bit there on Wednesday you might be hosting uh, <laughs> all, Another, all, all three championships. I thought, uh-oh, it's going to be a, you know quite a day at uh, Superior on Saturday, but uh, glad to at least have seen have me I almost be as bald as John because we both would have been. <laughs> Ripping our hair out at that point, yeah. I think. Yeah, but well, I mean, you almost made the well, distance without throwing a ball joke. Yeah, I almost did. I almost did. I don't usually bring <laughs> it up there. though. I don't usually bring it up. But see, my my father is bald, so it's usually I, me. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but uh, well, because there are days generally where like I'll get off the air and and I'll see what's going on and I'll walk up to him and I'll be like, now I know why you have no hair. <laughs> like it's all falling out because yeah. of different things, mm-hmm. or I've been pulled right out you know, right. because of different things. Yeah. Um, As the but, baseball uh, softball schedule just changed for the fifth time this <laughs> oh, week. Oh gosh, yeah. 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 Is you know that that's. Yeah, and that's part of the season we're getting into now, which is apropos. Considering that's not really a pull your hair out thing, though, because I go into the spring expecting that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I expect that. Well, you can yeah. only go through that so many times before you finally do just go, okay. Yeah, this, this is what it's going to yeah, be. After a while, you just shrug. Like, exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Now we're gonna. Now we have to get ten games into four days. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So everybody's stressed out up here during that time. Yeah. Because he's got staffing, and the coaches have to figure out how they're going to pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's. Yep. We always seem to find. Find a way, though. We I, do find a yeah, way. I know we've yeah. had some springs where we've been tight, but always seem to find a way. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and if a few arms fall off along the way, that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. Metaphorically speaking, either of either their arms are tired going into postseason, or their our teams are better positioned because they got uh, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the two things. One of the two. Yeah. yeah. One of the two. So. Exactly. I think that's a good note to end it on. So we want to thank Corey from the UMAC for joining us. For Corey and the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garber, and thank you for watching I Have the Swarm.